0: Hello, hello. Hope everybody is having a great summer, and I appreciate you all coming out today. Hopefully, uh, we won't be up to 100 degrees today, but uh, it is summer in Texas. So, uh, we've got a, a guest that has joined us today, uh, Kathleen Neer. If you can just uh, give us a wave and say hello. She's a guest of Leslie's, right? Yeah. And we also have a new member, uh, Catherine Meek, who just sat down in the back, and she is with uh, Amber Equipment Finance. So welcome. Always excited to have new members, and we encourage everyone to bring guests like Leslie and uh, encourage them to join us as a member. So today uh, we have Bob Belzer, who is the president and CEO of Trinity Metro. Uh, he joined as the CEO in April of this year and has been with Trinity Metro for several years, joined them in 2014, and has uh, more than 30 years overseeing large transit projects, including rail development, construction, rail facilities, and bus rapid transits. He's also managed uh, transit system procurement operations and maintenance uh, facilities. And before working at Trinity Metro, he served as a general manager of the administrations for the Nashville MTA, and the Regional Transportation Authority of Middle Tennessee in 2014. He holds a bachelor's degree in business management from the University of Phoenix with coursework at the State University of New York. And I'm excited. I met Bob at a chamber event and was excited to hear about all of the things that Trinity Metro is doing and their focus on providing safe and reliable public transportations for everyone in Tarrant County, and uh, he shared the vision of the improvement to drive economic development in our region. So it is uh, an honor to be able to have Bob join us and uh, give us an update on the transit. Thank you, Bob.
1: Good morning. Uh, certainly an early group. We love early stuff. You know, in public transit, we're used to getting up early, good coffee, and a, a good day to be out. Thanks for giving us a chance to talk to you. So, so just to kind of start out, Uh, I I wanted to say, you know, when you look at our name, uh, of course, we're Trinity Metro. And I want to make sure that everybody understands that we're not the T anymore. You know, the T was a great thing in Fort Worth for years, and and they did some wonderful things. We're not the T. We're not Fort Worth Transit Authority. Formerly we were, uh, but today we're a county agency, and we're we're reinventing ourselves in how we do what we do, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and with that said, I just wanted to kind of pull the room and see who's ridden TextRail? Has everybody gotten out on Textrail? If you've not ridden TextRail, I would encourage you to do that because, you know, I can talk about it and show you pictures, but it's not until you get on it that you really get it. And, and from our perspective, this is first class. We believe we've got the best commuter rail system in the country, and I think we do. We have a lot of folks come in from all over uh, that want to do the same thing that we've done here. So so with that, just to talk a little bit, and I know this slide got cut off just a bit. Uh, you know, TexRail is an easy and direct option between Fort Worth to the airport. I, I live downtown Fort Worth in a condo, and if I take Uber to the airport, it's between 40 and $70. If I drive my car, I've, I've got to pay to get in. I've got to pay to park, you know, and that's an expense in itself. If I ride Texrail, maximum fare in Tarrant County from downtown Fort Worth into the airport uh, is $2.50. You, you can't beat that, you know, and, and the cool thing about the train is we're not dealing with traffic. So, you know, I walk to the central station, uh, you know, where we've got TRE coming in and, and, uh, You know, and and Amtrak and all the other services. So I can walk from my condo down there, get on the train. It's $2.50. I know in 48 minutes I'm going to be in Terminal B. You know, if I drive my car, I don't know what's going to happen on 121 and 114 and what the traffic's going to be like. Should I be in the express lane or the regular lane and all that? Uh, And then I'm going to pay to park. and, And, you know, even if I picked you up at the curb at the airport, if I drive my car into the airport, pull into the terminal and get you at the curb and you get in my car, I can't get in and out of the airport in my car for $2.50. So, so this is a great deal, and we really see it as a premium service. You know. And, and the big thing with this is we started kind of slow to get our, you know, our footing on this and make sure we manage things well. Uh, we've been operating at 60-minute headway, so it's 60 minutes between trains. And on the 28th, we're going to go to 30-minute headways during peak. Peak, for the most part, is rush hour, if you think about it, like 6 in the morning to 10. And then I, I think it's 3 in the afternoon to about 7 or 8. And the interesting thing is we'll have the same schedule every day. A lot of times with trains and public transit, you know, you would see weekday schedules and then holidays and weekends are different and reduced. We're not doing that because the... Demand for folks to get to the airport to get the Grapevine or North Richland Hills or downtown Fort Worth. It remains on the weekends and the holidays. And sometimes it's even bigger. It's kind of funny when we look at Texrail, we track the ridership. We noticed a big, giant spike on Thursdays. And in the afternoon, we're going, what's going on here? We couldn't quite figure it out, so we really delved into it to try to see what was going on. And for some reason, all the seniors ride from Fort Worth into Grapevine Thursday afternoon. I don't know if they have a special on lunch or whatever it is. So it's a different kind of service, uh, you know, than, than what you see. And, and we really believe that it's premium. And we get a lot of that. We get a lot of visitors, California, Amtrak from the Northeast Carter. Everybody wants to do what we're doing here. Uh, you know, so that's always a good indicator that we're, we're doing well. Uh, to date, we're at about 300,000 paying riders since we started that. When we had the the free service for the first period, uh, we were just about overrun. When we designed the trains, we thought 450 was a comfortable capacity. We would call it like crush load on the train, right? And we we're getting numbers at 600 people on each train. And I actually had to go out and look at it because I was thinking, this is more than we should be fitting in. But it really was what we, what we noticed. Uh, so it's been very popular. I would also say that this particular train, it's a Swiss design. We're the first ones to bring it into the U.S. But there are more than 1,800 of these train sets in Europe. So if you've ridden around in Europe, you've probably been on one of these trains. It's a Stadler train. Uh, so it's real popular in Europe, especially in Switzerland and Germany. And if you look at this picture... You can kind of see in the center here, like right here, that's where the engines are. So it's not like a locomotive coupled to rail cars, and you walk between cars, and it's uncomfortable. I grew up in New York, so I've done a lot of that, right? In this particular train, you walk from one end to the other through the center, and you're never outside the train. It's all uh, coupled together permanently. It's not something you can just unhook. You even walk through the center of the engine rooms, there's a nice... Hall to do that. The other thing that's kind of interesting when you look at this train, when we met with the Federal Railroad Administration in Washington to talk about importing these trains, and we build them in in, in Salt Lake City, so it's a domestic product that we've imported the technology. Well, under the, the Federal Railroad Administration rules, you have to have an F on the front of the train. So we were in, in their, uh, their offices with all their engineers and scientists and all that, and we had to you know demonstrate crashworthiness because it's aluminum, but it's new technology you know so it's got that crush factor like new cars do it's really above and beyond you know what the older trains were like. but I finally had to say, both ends of this train are the front. if you look at it, there's not a locomotive and a caboose or a car or something on the other end, and they said, you still have to put the F on the front and we said well where where would that be right It was that much different, and they finally just said, "Look, just pick an end and put the F on it. <laughs> Because it was written, written into federal law, right? So they couldn't necessarily change that. But it doesn't really make sense with this train. So it's very much different. Uh, you know, it, it certainly is innovative. You, you get on this train, it's got a, it's completely level boarding. If you, if you ride your bike, there's bike racks. We took the space where the ski racks were in Switzerland. We put bike racks in. And then if you've been in Europe, they, most of the rail cars in Europe have a first-class car. We did not eliminate that section. We left it there, but it's the quiet car. So if you're in that section, you'll see a set of lips with a finger over it. That means you don't need to be talking on your phone or playing music. This is where we sit and kind of relax, and 25% of the train has that on it. Uh, And there's USB charging ports. There's a fully accessible restroom. It's all level boarding. If you're pushing a a baby carriage, rolling your bike on, use a wheelchair, it's all seamless. There's no steps. Uh, so we're pretty excited about what's happening there. We're getting a lot of good responses. And, we're, and we're, we're in the process now of extending the rail line into the medical district, if you're familiar with that part of Fort Worth, right by Bell or Scott, and White on Mistletoe. So we would connect to all the big hospitals down there. Uh, and there's in the, just in that area, there's 40,000 jobs that we would connect with. Uh, so what's the econo- economic impact and transit-oriented development? I, I mean, I think we all see the benefits from uh from what happens up in grapevine. Uh the, and you know they're not even done building it out yet. A five story forty two thousand square foot building with a great hall, market hall with shops, a five hundred and fifty-two-space parking garage which is shared for the retail, the hotel, and the rail piece. Hotel Vin, which is a hundred and twenty-one room boutique hotel by Marriott. When they design the path to travel from the parking garage in the hotel you, if you're going to ride the train, you have to go through that space, which is kind of common in Boston. They do that a lot in rail stations. 38,000-square-foot uh, outdoor plaza. And, of course, it's located in downtown Grapevine right there at Dallas Road and Maine. Uh, and I can tell you, if, if you know Bruno Rumble, the city manager up there, or the mayor, you know, we talk a lot with them. They are just overjoyed with what this TexRail project has delivered to Grapevine. The, uh, the businesses along Main Street have pretty much been overwhelmed with all the people that are coming in. You know, because you could ride the train up there and have dinner and ride back, or they have all those festivals, and the train station is just right there. You know, we were talking with the county yesterday, and Gary Fick has said, it's like somebody sprinkled fairy dust on grapevine. That's how happy they are with it. And it really is true. I just thought that was kind of cool. But it, it, it has done all the things that we had hoped it would do, you know, and the economic development and the benefits for grapevine have just been fantastic uh, up there. So it's $105 million in public-private dollars that went in besides, you know, the rail project. So this is just on the private development side. When we talk about North Richland Hills, uh, and I know we talked to some folks that that are familiar with North North Richland Hills. In Smithfield, the villas, there's a 90-lot townhome and patio home development that's going in two mixed-use projects, a commercial and 600 multifamily units, at Iron Horse, uh, 160-lot development and townhome and patio home development. I was looking at this and thinking about it, and and my conclusion is there's going to be 850 residential units at the train stations, right, that are transit-oriented development. So if we're a local city and we've paid into the rail program, what's our return? And so these folks are going to pay property taxes... To North Richland Hills, you know, for what's what's the cycle of that? It's probably more than forty years, right? Uh, Just think about the revenue that that generates and the fact that now we've got folks that live at the train station that can walk to the train. You get a lot of airline pilots, flight attendants, people that work at the airport. Uh, You know, there's, we all know there's just a ton of jobs up at the airport. Or folks that, you know, want to come downtown Fort Worth. Even when we look at downtown Fort Worth, if you're familiar with the TNP lofts, which is at the train station there, if you get on Zillow and you look at condos downtown, you know, a lot of us use Zillow to try to find real estate. Right? There are some condos that don't have pictures of the condo as their their opening page on Zillow. They have a picture of Tech Trail, uh, and and so we look at that and go, "Wow, this really is." You know, people are starting to get it. Uh, so so obviously in North Richland Hills and in Grapevine, Mayor Trevino and the folks in in Grapevine they really get it. it, it it's a boon for those cities to have that. $137 million in residential and mixed use just in the city of North Richland Hills. We're working on a transit-oriented development in downtown Fort Worth at the TNP and p station, uh, and this is a rendering of what it would look like, a 10-story, 236-unit property developed by the Fort Worth Housing Solutions with long-term property leases from us. We own the property, and and this is kind of neat. In the ground floor, they would have a daycare and shops and restaurants. So, so if I'm going to work and I use the train, right? I can stop there and, and have daycare for my kids where I, when I board the train and go to work and come back. Uh, so so that, that's kind of a neat thing to do. $94.3 million in residential and retail. And what's next? I talked just a little bit about going down uh, to what we would call Segment 1. In Segment 1, we're breaking it up into uh, four pieces. So the medical district station is what we're focused on today. We are the only big rail project or mega project. It's a little over a billion dollar project in the U.S. that we're way ahead of schedule and under budget. We're like $90 million under budget. So we're getting with the feds to try to keep that money to extend the rail line to go down to the medical district. Uh, And actually, I'm going to meet up next week with the administrator for the Federal Transit Administration and have that ask to get that funding to go to the medical district Uh, so that that would be the next step for that and you know I talked a little bit about at the beginning that we're not the T, we're not the Fort Worth Transit Authority we're Trinity Metro we we are the county agency and we have to be if we're in Grapevine and North Writzland Hills and we're doing some other things with the county so we just wanted to talk about our partners you know of course the CARG the COG we do partner with DART and Denton County to have a regional system you can buy regional passes where you could ride all of our services, all the DART services and all of Denton County service on one pass. You know, we, we have a lot of business partners. Tarrant County College has uh, partnered with us. Every one of their students can ride on their ID cards and the college pays for it. What they found, you know, we average when school's in session about 12,000 rides a month with the students. So students that don't have transportation to college. They get, go back and forth on our services. But in addition to that, they can. They, a lot of them have jobs. They go back and forth to work, to support themselves, to put themselves through college. They go shopping. They go to entertainment venues. It does all of those things. The way the program's set up, there's a cap on what they pay. And when they hit that cap, you know the rest of the rides are not charged. And, and it's a reduced monthly rate. So we look at it, and per ride, if they are below the reduced monthly rate, that's what we bill them for. If they hit the cap, then after that, we don't charge them. So, and it's all set up where they would go to school every day, and that would be the cap rate. So when they look at it, they're getting students that don't have transportation to school, which is a big thing for us, right? But they're also giving them the ability to be employed, to have jobs, to go to Kroger, to go to food shop, and do all those things. Uh, so we, we've been really, really excited about that. You know, obviously, we partner with the airport and all the railroads, the Chambers of Commerce, in Fort Worth, the, uh, the Hispanic Chamber, the Black Chamber, and the Fort Worth Chamber are all partnering with us to help us uh, push the transit, transit initiatives. They understand the benefit of public transit. And of course, we're in Forest Hills, we're in Blue Mound, Grapevine, we talked about North Richland Hills and, and Fort Worth, and the county, and I'll talk just a little bit on one of these slides about what's going on out in the county. In the city of Fort Worth, there is this Transit Moves Fort Worth program we're going through today. Uh, and so we've we've re-imaged one of our buses, and we go out in the public and, and reach people, and they're able to do surveys and give us input, and we're trying to understand what do we do next. And probably the big thing there is when we look at the bus system and a lot of the transit system, it was probably designed 40 years ago, and this was a very different place, as you all know especially. Uh, so we want to rethink that, and, and with a lot of input from the public and see how we could change and kind of right size and put things where they need to be. So we're looking at all that, and you'll see a lot of that over the next year or two and what we do to change our service so it meets what is in our region today and not what was here 40 years ago. And we're expanding service. You know, we're, again, Forest Hills. Our frequency is hourly out there. We're using a 30-foot trolley. And, and I'm going to talk just a little bit about we realized if we increase the number of shelters, the ridership jumps up because, you know, in Texas, I don't want to stand out in the sun when it's 110 degrees and wait for the bus, right? There's just no other way to say it. So, so we started looking at that, and we, our goal was to put 100 shelters in. So what we started to do is we mapped out where the ridership is, where people are boarding, and where we have the heaviest ridership, that was our top priority for shelters. Uh, you know, so we, we really had a data-driven approach to how we would do this instead of just putting them in randomly. So when we look at the shelter at East Loop 820 in Collett, this is the, pic- the photograph of where the stop was right there on the corner, and there's no shelter. And that, now you see what we had to do to put a shelter in, you know, because it has to be accessible if I use a wheelchair or something like that to, to kind of get in, in there. And we looked at the daily ridership at the shelter, and before we did the shelter, we were at 33 folks. And when we put the shelter in just in two short months, we were seeing 84 people a day. And and it kind of makes sense. It's got to be comfortable. I don't want to stand in the sun or the rain or something like that. Uh, And then we we noticed the same thing in in this other shelter that we tracked at Jacksboro Highway. Uh, 461 was a weekly number, and afterwards we were at 634 consistently. So we're starting to see a lot of that, and it kind of makes sense. You know, I want to be comfortable. The bus has to be a good option. Tarrant County College Partnership, I talked a little bit about that. Uh, we provide bus service to all the colleges. Uh, they pay for the students to use the bus and rail, so any of our services within the county. You know, and, and we get the students back and forth to school and other places at no cost to the students. They just use their ID card. We read it on our fare collection equipment on the bus. Uh, we started that in May of 2018. It provides options for 55,000 students. So one in every 22 Tarrant County residents takes a class at TCC. So it touches a lot of people. And we do touch all of the, the, you know, the colleges. We're talking about the Tarrant County Express concept. So this would be a premium service express in southwest Tarrant County. If you've been on the Chisholm Trail, you've probably noticed the Tarleton State Building that's going up out there. It's a big structure, right? So what what the thought is here, it's kind of unique, is we would run three buses in the morning, three buses in the afternoon. On the outbound trip from downtown Fort Worth at our central station, we would interline with the university to get the start times for school classes to be when we arrived. So we would give students the opportunity to ride out on the outbound trip and go to school out there where they might not have transportation to get out there. Then on the inbound trip back into town, we would uh, coordinate so we could get folks to their jobs before 8 o'clock in the morning, right? So white-collar folks, people that work downtown, Don't want to pay $150 a month to park could ride these buses. What we've done is we've contracted with some private charter companies, kind of like Von Lane. If you've seen Von Lane, it's a premium 45-foot bus with restrooms and Wi-Fi and uh, an over-the-road coach, right? But what we find is that the charter companies have downtime in the morning, so we can negotiate a good rate. Their peak is midday, and we use them in the morning and in the afternoon when they have downtime and they have extra buses, So we're partnering with the county, with Tarleton, with the city of Fort Worth to put this new service in in the county. And it's so it's not traditional bus service where we run a bunch of fixed route buses or in a defined route and stops and all that sort of stuff. It's express, it's students, and it's white collar workers coming in. If you were to do that from that part of the county and come in, and it's midday and you have to get home because that's what people are concerned about. Am I stuck there all day? We have another program. It's called Guaranteed Ride Home. So a few times a year, it's regulated. We'll either you know, get you an Uber, a taxi, or even send a rental car. So let's say I'm out there and my, my child is sick or I've got to get home to meet the plumber or something like that. You can do all those things. It, it enables you to do it. It's kind of a, a cool way to do stuff. It's out of the box, a little bit different. And then zip zones. And we're going to roll out the first zip zone this coming Monday. It's our, our uh, first and last mile solution. So what does that mean? So if I'm riding the train or the bus, and, and this particular one is in the mercantile area, there's... Uh, 18,000 jobs on 7,000 acres up there. Mercantile's a big industrial development on the north side of Fort Worth. If I ride the train to the Mercantile station, how do I get from the train station to where I work? That's that's really what we're trying to solve here. So we bring in VIA with, and I'm going to show you pictures, Mercedes-Benz minivans. We've got a smartphone app that geolocates you if you're in that area. And it's just like Uber and Lyft, but it's a shared ride. We can put seven people at a time on these vans. So we're going to have these vans there that meet all the trains and the buses. So if you work in that area, uh, you can ride the train, get to the station, and take VIA right to the front door where you work. Or if you want to go to lunch, you can use VIA for that. So you really don't need a car. VIA is more transit-oriented. It would not be to the point where we would have private individuals with their vehicles, so it's more regulated if you think of it that way, the mercedes Benz minivans are kind of, they're premium, you know. And, and it's a shared ride, so it's more efficient, and it meets all of the requirements that we need for the, from the federal side with drug screening and, you know, and all those sorts of things. So it's a whole lot more controlled. and we get all the right data that we need to track where the rides are. So it's much more advanced from a shared ride sense than, than Lyft and Uber and things like that uh, would be. And V's been around for a long time. I know we probably hear about them in Arlington and Arlington says, hey, this is our public transit thing. But if you look at what they're doing in Arlington, the majority of the rides are to Centerport, the train station. So they're kind of doing the same thing. They're, they're, they're uh, taking people to mass transit, public transit, the train, the TRE. And that's their biggest trip generator. I, I grew up in New York. My mom's still up there. When I go to New York, it's $5 anywhere in Manhattan to ride via. But it's a shared ride. So, so they've been around for a long time. They've been doing this for a long time. Uh, and they do all the things that we need. We, we also have Zip Zone up in Alliance with the Alliance Link, which is a pri- uh, pilot program with Toyota. But that's Lyft as opposed to Via. So this is the phase two and the van. So w- when you see this, you'll know what it is. And, and again, I said we're kind of different. We're being innovative. We're, we're, it's not just about the bus or the train. Uh, we have to look at the whole picture so on monday of next week we begin the new zip zone service with via for all the businesses near the mercantile center station area the thing that's kind of cool here is the mercantile partners and you're probably familiar with mercantile bank they're a big uh, agency that's been in 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 town for quite a long time they have partnered with us and they said you know what anybody that's in our area because they manage all these really large commercial buildings If they're in the properties we own, and we've geofenced that with the technology and the smartphone app, we'll subsidize their trip. A $3 fare is now a dollar; They pay $2 of it. So if you work in one of their buildings, they are saying if you come in on public transit, you work in one of our buildings, and it's all geocoded because the technology is out there to do this, then it costs you a buck. And it's a smartphone app, so you ride the train, you get off at Mercantile, you bring out your smartphone, you bring up the you know it locates you you hail your trip to where you're going and if it's one of their places it's a buck see you really can't beat that it makes public transit more accessible so i'm not walking and you know in the mercantile area that part of fort worth there's not a lot of sidewalks when we looked at just the websites for all the employers up there we could find 400 unfilled jobs in about 20 minutes just looking at their websites where they couldn't find folks to get up there because they have a hard time with transportation. So we're looking at other areas for the zip zone in the county, and I can tell you we're looking at the medical district in the south part of Fort Worth uh, to connect all of it to the TNP station, and that's one of the things the city's going to partner with us to do that, uh, assuming that it gets through their budget process. The other thing that we're doing, uh, we're real proud of, is the TRE link. So we've got a new partnership with the airport, with DART, and the COG. And we have the TRE shuttle from Centerport Station to DFW Remote Parking. You know, we branded the bus. When you see the bus, you'll see it's very familiar with what the TRE locomotives look like. So it's kind of identifiable. And we began service April 15th. We see a lot of ridership on that. So it's a much better connection on the TRE side to get to the airport. You know, TexRail, on on the TexRail side, is really convenient. We want to make sure we've got the same thing with the TRE. This is kind of cool. The dash is the new service we're going to roll out on the 22nd of September. This bus is battery electric. It's not a diesel. We bring it into our depot at night. We charge it overnight, and it's got enough battery charge where it operates all day. So what this will do, and we're testing it right now and you know, getting our drivers familiar with it. One of the things we realize is it's so quiet people don't hear it coming. So if you're walking downtown, you're you're used to hearing buses. You don't hear this bus. It just comes up on you. So we're telling the drivers, we really got to be careful because this is almost too quiet, which is what people want, you know. So it's a battery electric bus by New Flyer, which is a big bus vendor that we're familiar with. Of course, it's zero emissions, uh, quiet, no external noise. There's a big public-private partnership that put all this together, Uh, all of the museums and a lot of the – uh, restaurant venues and things like that. So it'll go from central station downtown. So you could actually ride the train in, get off at central station, get on the dash and it'll go all around downtown on the north side of Sundance square and go out sixth and come up on seventh and go through all the museums. And it ends up at the new Dickies arena, you know, so if the stock shows in town, this is going to be the connection direct, you know, to the stock show. Uh, and it's an electric bus. It, it'll run every 15 minutes, and it'll cover that West 7th corridor, which is really, really busy today. Uh, so it's pretty exciting, and, and we've got a big public-private partnership and a lot of private money in to help this. The other thing that's kind of neat is when we looked at it, if you've driven down West 7th and you get to university there, that, that's a, just a crazy intersection, and you can get stuck there for 15 minutes, right? So we had to do something there. So this bus can turn the light green. So and, and, so, I had a couple people say, well, I want to get behind the bus. And I always tell them, no, you want to get on the bus, right? So, so this is great stuff. It's one of those things when you see this bus downtown, you'll go, hey, this is the bus that guy Bob was talking about. You can't miss it because it's bright red. It has perimeter seating in it, and it has like a foxwood floor. So when you're on it, we're looking at each other, and you almost have to talk. We, we, and we did that intentionally because otherwise you're on a bus. I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at the back of your head, right? This, we want people to you know, to interact on the bus. So it's a bit of a different concept, total electric bus, uh, and, and we will run that starting on the 22nd of September. And if you're downtown Fort Worth today, you might see us running training sessions with our drivers and developing where the stops are and doing all that sort of stuff uh, out there with the desks. We're real proud of that. Uh, we also have Trinity Metronomics. We want to be transparent about what we do and how we're doing. So we send these out to the, to the community that shows all our stats on everything on the bus, access, the train, van pools, the zip zones. Because, uh, you know, people say, well, we don't know, we don't hear too much. We, well, here's all our data. Uh, we share it, uh, you know, with all the decision makers in the community and anybody that's interested on our, uh, on our listserv. We focus on strengthening partnerships, looking for innovative transit. I had a hard time thinking about what is innovative transit. And I talked to Mayor Price, Betsy Price, in, in, in Fort Worth. And she was going, well, maybe it's is it like flying skateboards or something. And I'm like, no, I'm not thinking that's it. But what I really ended up at is it's technologies that are pretty much already there. And you just kind of marry two technologies together, like the smartphone and the bus you know, or, or via and, and our trains and the vans. And that's really kind of what it comes down to. You think about Uber Eats. They didn't invent anything new. They just married technologies that were there where now they can deliver food and stuff like that. So I, I think that's a lot of what we see is that, you know, we don't have to be so far advanced that the technology scary. But There's some stuff out there that works like the electric buses and the Mercedes-Benz vans that we just kind of recreate it and, and, and use it in a different way with the smartphone and all those things that are out there. And then, uh, obviously, the Corporate Pass Program and EasyRide is a big thing for us. You know, and certainly in places like TCC and some other places, we expect the entire city of Fort Worth to come into the EasyRide program. So all of their employees, there's about 7,000 of them can ride public transit on their ID card and not pay. You know, we were meeting with Bell Scott and White and Cook Children's and I was in Cook Children's Hospital and they pointed out a parking garage they were building. They were going to get 600 parking spaces, pay $18 million, right? That's a lot of money. And we're going to bring the train in. We're going to bring 72 trains a day into that station right by their hospital. And I can put comfortably 450 people on each train, and there's 72 of them. We, we did the math, and they could pay for their employees for like 41 years to ride public transit and not build parking spaces and have that real estate back. You know, so there's a lot of benefits that, you know, that we're talking about, but we need to find innovative ways to connect the hospital to the train, and that's where the zip zone and some of those things come in. So that's kind of wh- wh- where we're at. Uh, you know, of course, we always like showing pictures of the train. We love the train. Uh, and, and I could, every time I look at this, and, you know, I was the guy that managed the Texrail project. So when we crossed the Trinity River, th- this is kind of stuff you wouldn't normally hear. We had to do a muscle survey. We found three muscles, not three different brands, three muscles. And I had to pay $200,000 to have them relocated so we can put the piers in in the river when we drain the river. So every time I look at the picture of the train in the river, it kind of comes back to me. But that, I guess that's what you got to do. So, so that's us, uh, and I, I guess if there are any questions, I would be more than happy to answer them. Well, thank you. And, you know, at any point, if we could help uh, with tickets and thing, you know, rail tickets and, and make that easier, just call us and ask us. I know Melissa would love to talk about that. Uh, you know, where if, if that's one of those things you want the concierge for the hotel to do, we'd be happy to work with you. Yes, well, yes, but there's always a but, right? We do not offer long-term parking. Uh, If we were afraid, if we did that, the daily commuters would not have a place to park. So what what we're saying is, uh, you can park there for 20 hours and it's free. And with the technology today, we really can monitor monitor all that because. You know, they pick up your license plate number and do all these crazy things with software that I probably don't really understand. But they manage it well, just like they do in the airport. We know when we've got the Texas toll tag and they bill us, it's the same thing. They know how long you've been in there. Uh, so to date, we've not agreed that we would do any long-term parking because we just don't know if we could manage that. We're afraid in, in Grapevine, for instance, there's 140 parking spaces. And we're afraid that if we did that, the daily commuters would kind of be put out and all the long-term people would be parked there. So we're trying to figure out how that works best. Uh, so today, all of the Tex-Rail stations, it's a 20-hour parking limit. We might end up with some that are long-term if we see the capacity is there, but it's too early to tell. The, everything in Tarrant County, with the exception of the Zip Zone, is part of that program. So the, the Zip Zone is kind of a standalone because it's a supplementary service. So, yeah, when we, we talked about the dash and the Mali and all the trains uh, in Tarrant County, they're all covered by that. So everything in Tarrant County. We do have a regional program where you can get all the DART and DCTA stuff. But at that point, we're, we're sharing revenues with DART and DCTA. So it's a bit of a uh, – it's more expensive. So we don't necessarily do that. Uh, so, but anything in Tarrant County. So you can get on at Centerport, ride the TRE in. You could ride any of the TexRail stuff the uh, you know the uh the dash all of our buses so everything that we offer in the county is part of that north side 28th and decatur you know we're hearing that it's possible certainly right now we've got the funding and the commitment and private partners to do the zip zone at mercantile we're looking at the hospital district because that's such a big demand you know, not only do we cover the 40,000 jobs down there, but what about all the, the patients that go back and forth to the hospital, right? Uh, so what happens next? And there's been now a lot of questions about why can't we connect it to the stockyard? So is it possible? The way we've set up the Zip Zone program, we actually trademarked it so we own it. We have a it's sort of a cafeteria-style contract. So we, if there's enough interest and there's funding to do that, we could do that. Is it in the plan today? No, but people are starting to ask about it. It's very popular. We've been talking to the folks at the stockyard, and the developers actually are going to put in a stop at their development for the bus. If the interline works right with the bus, if you come in, you could buy a day pass for Tarrant County, covers the train, covers the bus, ride into 28th and Decatur, get off the train. The bus is supposed to be sitting there waiting if the timing works right, and it's five minutes, you hop on the bus, and it takes you to Exchange in Maine, you know, right there uh, at H3 Ranch. It's actually, I think it's in front of Lonesome Dove. The stop's right at Lonesome Dove. And then on the other, the inbound trip, it's on the other side. So if the timing works right, there's already a good bus connection there that's supposed to meet every train. We're still kind of working on that because it's a new concept, but I think we're getting better at it. It's a little bit of both. The best way to pay the train fare, well, first of all, we're working on a big program. Where we own our version of the Go Pass, if you're familiar with the Go Pass from the Dallas County side. And we're almost getting ready to roll that out where Trinity Metro has a, their own Go Pass that interlines with the DART Go Pass. Uh, at that pass, and you could do that today through the DART piece, right? You can online have credit on your phone for the Go Pass and, and do that. At every train station, there's ticket vending machines I always want to call them TVMs, but nobody but n- me knows what that is. So so you can go to the ticket vending machine and pay cash or use your credit card and, and buy a ticket, right? Or You can go to our ter- any one of our terminals, Central Station, and we sell tickets. You can order tickets online. Uh, now, you can, if you forget all that and, and you get on the train and you don't have a ticket, you can pay on the train, but we're going to charge you double the price because we don't want the conductors selling tickets. We want them doing work on the train. But we, in the TRE we can't sell tickets on the train. We don't like that. You know, so we want that option where we're not saying, "Hey, you don't have a ticket, you got to get off the train." We don't want to do that. But a 250 fare now is 5 bucks when you're on the train because we don't we want to discourage people from doing it, but give them an option if they're stuck in that spot. Well, so are you talking about financially sustainable? Okay. Okay. So so let's talk about the train for a minute. So there's a standard today, the top standard for efficiency, and it's called Tier 4 on a rail vehicle, and these are Deutsch V8 diesels, there's two of them, that power generators, generate electric. All trains are electric. They're diesels, and you hear diesels, but it's not like a diesel truck where we've got a drive shaft going to the wheels, right? We're we're powering a generator, we're making electric, and the, the electric motors are down on the truck sets on every train that you'll see operated one way or the other. Even if it has overhead catenaries, it just sends electric to the truck sets. So we've got twin diesels on this train. Now, so, so talking a little bit about the train, it's all aluminum. It, it is very light. It's not like a locomotive. Just to kind of put things in some context, when, when I came here, they brought me here to take over the Texrail project. We had an uh, environmental study with all this noise mitigation because it was locomotives hauling passenger coaches, right? So locomotives operate at about 80 decibels. We had all this noise mitigation. We'd have to build all these noise walls. We see them on highways and things like that, right? We looked at it, and we looked at this train, and when we decided to go with this train, it mitigated every noise issue because we run at about 40 decibels, which is about the same noise level as a four-way intersection. So if you just put that in context, you know, obviously when we're uh, burning fuel and and making electric, it, it really does. It's it's there's certainly uh, a tie to the noise levels and and the environmental issues and things like that. This train is super efficient. Not only is it like it, it uses about a quarter of the fuel as a locomotive because it's got little smaller V8 Diesels, not these gigantic GE Diesels that you put in a locomotive. but it additionally takes less power to take off, it accelerates faster, it stops better. the crashworthiness is better than a locomotive. I mean everything about it is more efficient. When we looked at this train and we look at our cost and our, you know we have a certain dwell time in a station where people get on, but then accelerating back to, to speed right or stopping. This train is much more efficient. We can operate faster uh, and more efficient, and it uses less electric, less diesel. Uh, The maintenance costs are so much lower. Uh, So everything about it is more efficient than what we see in a locomotive. Plus, if you're on this train, you stand on one end and you can look to the other end. So on our operating side for the engineer, if we're in a locomotive, the engineer has to climb out of the locomotive get on the platform, walk outside the train, and go to the other end. And we have what's called a cab car that remotely controls the locomotive. Basically, the locomotive pushes the train backwards on the TRE, right? So it, you have to add crew. On this train, the engineer gets out of the, the cab, opens the door inside, and walks through the center of the train, gets on the other end, and it eliminates another crew member. So it's there, there's about 10 reasons I could go through that make this train more efficient. Plus... Everything we do on it is redundant. All the air conditioning systems, they're double. So it's much more reliable. It's much more efficient. It's lighter. Uh, like I said, it's an aluminum body. Uh, and and it's, we didn't, we're not deploying this technology as the first one. There's 1,800 of these in Europe. So we already know what they do. Uh, like I said, it, it had stellar results on the crashworthiness. It's safe. Uh, it can op- operate safely at 120 miles an hour. We only run it at 70, you know. So it, 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 this technology is amazing. It's much more efficient. It's easier to maintain. Uh, you know, everything about it just makes a lot of sense. I was not. I was not. Uh, certainly read all about that every day, uh, but was not. You know, and, and I think on, on that note, at least from my perception, public transportation is such a big part of that and having the right, Uh, you know, mix of that. Folks today, I I think about my relatives in New York and the younger folks in my family, they don't want to drive. They don't want to have cars and all that. They want to ride public transit. You know, my my nieces and nephews in New York, they don't have cars. They don't want it. So I I think that's kind of like part, at least from my perception, the Amazon piece. So, well, thank you.
0: Well, thank you, Bob. It was great to hear all of the solutions that you're providing for public transportation. Um, Definitely the way of the younger uh, generation and the future. So um, our August meeting, we don't have a date yet. We'll be sending that to you here shortly. But uh, we are in the process um, of updating our website. You, if you've gone on and looked at it, you may have seen that. And with Raymond, Jenkins is doing that. And one of the things that we are adding to the website is the presentations from t- our meetings. So today, um, you'll be able to go in there and see the actual PowerPoint presentation and hear um, the notes of it. So if there was a, a fact or some statistics that you wanted to know to be able to use it for your business, you'll have access to that, and you'll have it access for all of the presentations that we put together. So thank you for being here. Have a great day, and enjoy the rest of the week.